Well, hello there. It's another day. I'm Jim Harrington. And I am Bill Knight. Hope you're having a good day, sir. I am indeed. Uh, lots to talk about today. A lot of things going on in our uh, in our country. Um, uh, I guess I can start out with this, uh, even though it's not in our country. Uh, you know, the Ukraine, uh, they had a very unsuccessful campaign over the over the summertime. It was supposed to be a big counteroffensive. They were supposed to mm-hmm. take the initiative and, and actually put Russia back on its heels. Well, the exact opposite seems to have happened. And uh, now there's a lot of infighting, would you believe, uh, in that country. You're saying, what do you mean? I thought Zelensky was uh, the, the current day Churchill. I thought everybody loved him. Apparently in the Ukraine, uh, there's a general. His name is, uh, uh, I got to get this right. Uh, his name is Valery Zelushny. I got to get these things right. There's a lot of Z's over there in uh, the Ukraine. Valery Zelushny, he's a general. And what's happening is because he's having a dispute with Zelensky. Zelensky has decided I'm going to just ignore him and start sending my orders directly to the troops. He's over, he's going over his head. And so this, you know, that's that's causing turmoil in the country. Oh, by the way, I should point out that Zelushny, the general, is polling much higher now internally than Zelensky. So you have infighting between the president and his highest general, and you have things like, you know, he he's already, Zelensky's already stopped the elections from happening. He's closed down the Ukrainian Russian church, Orthodox church in, uh, in uh, the Ukraine. He's also cut back on, he's actually turned off the TV stations that were opposition run, you know, the ones that were doing editorials against Zelensky and, and what he's doing. And uh, so, and now that this general is polling much higher now than Zelensky, you have to ask yourself, are the people in, in uh, the Ukraine, are they fed up themselves with this war? They should be because it's, it's a meat grinder. They're losing, they're losing a large swath of their young people are dying. You know, and, and it's it, they call it, it's a meat grinder. And you know, we have over here in this country. Maybe, maybe you read this, Bill. Um, the Congress has said, "Look, it. If you want more money, you're going to have to secure our border. If you don't secure, right. if you don't promise to secure our border, the funds for the Ukraine, the funds for uh, the Middle East, for you know the Israelis in in the Israeli war." And the funds for Taiwan are going to be cut off. So now there's, um, and you know, we're not the only country, by the way, that's sick and tired of putting money into the Ukraine. Many well, of the we other- should have never done it to begin with, and we ought to quit now because you're, we're not going to get back any of the money that we've blown. So it's just no. time to stop the bleeding. And uh, Zelensky, what's the other guy's name? Zelushny. Zelushny. The general. Uh, you know what? They're right by Poland. I mean, why don't they get some haluski in there? At least you have something to eat. Jeez, <laughs> well, you know, ski, ski, uh, ski. Well, uh, you know, th- these be... these guys are. Uh, I don't envy them because I think, you know, when you're, you're throwing all these good people to the front, and so many of them are dying. I I saw a video last week. It was it was really sad to watch it because it was done by with body cams of uh-huh. a young soldier in a trench on the front lines 
in uh, in this war, and right. it, it, they were pinned down. They were pinned down by the Russians, and the fear. And I didn't understand that was what they were saying. They were speaking Ukrainian, but you could hear the fear in in the voice. Uh, shells would be landing nearby, and they couldn't get any deeper in the trench. You could, they could you could feel them almost digging deeper as they were crouching down to avoid being killed by these uh, by these uh, uh, munitions. It, it, it was it was sad, and you're thinking, my God, this is just a that's a little tiny piece of what's going on over there on a daily basis. You know, they're actually I heard that they're starting to draft uh, middle aged men. And younger kids, and also women too. They're starting. Yeah, that, they they just they're desperate for people. That's what they did in uh, Germany. Yep, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. So, uh, and I you have to ask yourself, what are we enabling by sending money and, and equipment over there? Are we helping them, or are we just making it so that they can put more of their youth into this meat grinder? There's no talk. Zelensky should be talking about sitting down with Russia to negotiate some kind of a peace where they all can live together. Uh, but he's not. He's not. As a matter of fact, it sounds like if he's going over his own generals, he is almost desperate to keep it going. Well, I mean, should he really have been ever in power? Well, you know, he, this guy was a comedian. He was an yeah. entertainer. You know, and he, and he wasn't like, the best. I mean, some of his entertainment was crude. If you, if you saw the routines that he did on television, uh, maybe you did. One of them was where he literally pretended to be playing the piano with his male appendage, and, and this was on on television. And uh, you know, this is the leader of your your country. You know, they used to laugh at Ronald Reagan because he did he did westerns, you know, or he did a movie uh, Bonzo bo- Bedtime for Bonzo, that movie with the monkey. Uh, but I can assure you that President Reagan never did a movie. I uh, never did a movie with his, you know, playing the piano with his, uh, you know, anyway, playing the piano with his organ. How's that? <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I have several lines to bail you out. Oh, no, no, no. This is not a one-upsmanship here. We can just, we can, uh, no, we can just continue I, on. I was being a gentleman. <laughs> I I was glad being to, a... I'm glad to see one of us was. Um, but anyway, uh, so they're having problems in the Ukraine. And, uh, you know, I don't know whether you're aware of this or not, but some of the people coming across our border are Ukrainian. Mm. Yeah. Some of the illegals Why? coming across, <laughs> I have no idea. They also found uh, someone Someone went down to uh, Central America. I forgot which country. I want to say Nicaragua. And they found uh, the hotel that all of the Chinese were using as a staging area for illegals going into the United States. So apparently they're coming into the Central American country, whichever country it is, and again, I I, I want to say Nicaragua, but I, I don't know for sure. But it's one of the oh. countries down there. They're staying in this hotel. It is such a, an organized thing, Bill. They have signage in Chinese. They have people who work the desk who are Chinese. They are literally using it as, as like a dormitory for these uh, military-age males to come into the country, stage, and move forth into the United States. So you have Chinese advisors down there, right? That are taking illegals and um, 
indoctrinating them to get ready and essentially invade the United States. If I got this uh-huh. right. Right. That's exactly right. You have, so, you know, and, and he, you know, by the way, you have uh, guys like Christopher Ray. He said, um, I'll read this to you. FBI Director Christopher Ray testified Tuesday that the terror threat facing the United States has reached unprecedented levels since the October 7th attack on Israel. Unprecedented levels. This is the guy. Now, mind you, his his agency is spending a good mm-hmm. part of their of their time uh, investigating American citizens. Okay, they're going after the January Sixers. They're spending a ton of time going after uh, little old ladies who are walking the hallway, looking like they were on a school trip, you know. And they're they're arresting them and causing grief in their lives instead of going after these terrorists and putting them in jail or uh, at least uh, expelling them from the country. But, you know, but he has the audacity. The same guy has the audacity to sit in front of Congress yesterday and say, well, the terror levels are at an unprecedented level. Think about that for one second. Unprecedented levels. Mind you, this is 2023. In 2001, that means that the level, the terror level, was less than than it is now. And we know what happened in 2001, September oh, yeah. 11th. Yeah, Joe won by a landslide. Don't don't try to deny that fact. Because well, Joe didn't win by a landslide in 2001. He won by I mean, a yeah. he won yeah, by a landslide in, in uh, 2020. Yeah, Bill. Yeah, yes. I got my dates wrong. You here. did. Yeah. Yes, I was going to say Joe's been around for a long time, but, but, yeah, but he wasn't yeah, running for president in 2000. No, in 2001 we had September the 11th, the attack on the World Trade Centers. The levels had to be higher back then than. They are. Uh, they are. I mean, you would think they would have to be higher than they are now. But he's saying that this is the highest level ever. So we can expect something worse than what? 9-11 to happen. But what are the numbers? See, that's what we, you know, what are the real numbers? Somebody holds those numbers, but I don't believe anything I see on the Internet. But well, you, like you said, it's 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 got to be an astronomical, astronomical number. Well, I mean, I, 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 are you talking about the percentage, uh, right? Of you know how I don't know if if Christopher Ray, the director of the FBI, is saying that this is the highest threat level in the history of our country, which is what he said yesterday, then it has to be higher than it was on when we were right. attacked. And if we were attacked so devastatingly in uh, in September of two thousand one, what can we expect now? Something right. worse. Well, obviously, he's got a figure in front of him that he's going by, or that he went by when that speech was written, right? So, therefore, well, he didn't. He didn't. He didn't say that. He just said. It, he said it's uh, the highest level. Well, let me run it by you again. He said uh, uh, the terror threat facing the United States has reached unprecedented levels. Unprecedented right. means never before seen levels. But think about it. You have the Chinese in here now. The yeah. military-aged Chinese uh, units probably are staging in our country, preparing to do something. Uh, well, we've got a number on that, thanks to, uh, I guess, the Biden administration. You know, they, they, they don't claim that there's as many people here, but, you know, the number is somewhere around 20 million. 20 million total? 
Well, that's 20 million total immigrants, not just Chinese, right. but total. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I'm talking immigrants. I'm not talking about Chinese. Yeah. We have, we have, Chinese, well, everything. they're admitting the 12 million. They're, they're admitting the 12, but you, I, I think I know what you're saying. Uh, experts are saying if you, if you have 12 million, you double it because. No, actually that wasn't it. They, the, the number that I saw the other day was that, no, they, they say, yeah, it is, you know, because Biden set a president it's funny him and kamala set first like biden is the first president with the most illegal well he's got the most immigrants under his belt during his term now there are legal immigrants and there are illegal immigrants now the people that come in naturally you know the right way are vetted and they become citizens that's part of that number, but that's not even a trickle of what the number I just said. But they said in total, there are 20 million immigrants that have come across into the United States since Biden has been in the office, and the majority of those are illegal. So what? Let's say let's give them 30,000, even 100,000. Or this is interesting. The, the Border Patrol now says there's a 900% spike in Chinese migrants. They call them migrants now, not illegals, uh, crossing into the United States. Uh, uh, let's see whether we have this report here. Well, continuing our border coverage, agents seeing a significant increase in migrants that have made the difficult and costly journey here to the U.S. all the way from China. Correspondent Jorge Ventura is live in Eldago, Texas. Jorge, what are we learning? Hey, Nicole, I'm in the Rio Grande Valley in South Texas. And in this sector alone, Border Patrol right now is apprehending Chinese nationals at record numbers. Now, compared to last year, they're already seeing a 900% spike in Chinese national apprehensions. The reason why that's so significant is because Chinese nationals are a viable commodity to the cartels. They're willing to pay up to $35,000 to be smuggled into the U.S., and it's creating a unique challenge for U.S. Border Patrol. On the U.S.-Mexico border, are they uh, hugging the the ditch area? Is the Texas Department of Public Safety working in partnership with the Border Patrol to stem the flow of illegal migrants crossing into the U.S.? We spend time with the Texas DPS brush teams to get a first-hand account of the issues they face every day. They're dealing with the uptick in Chinese nationals, especially in the Rio Grande Valley sector, which it's unusual. Before, we would never see this many Chinese nationals coming across this area here. The numbers back up Lieutenant Oliveras. In the first five months of the 2023 fiscal year, there have been 4,366 encounters with Chinese nationals at the southwest border, with 1,368 in the month of February alone. It's a very lucrative uh, business for the smuggling organizations, especially dealing with Chinese nationals, where they're having to pay anywhere from $35,000 and up. We saw the firsthand number of Chinese migrants making the journey. Did you just arrive here in the United States? Communicating through a translator app. Yeah, 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 yeah. Today, Zane Caillou is one of those individuals. He fled China because of the strict COVID-19 policies, sharing the video of what he had experienced before fleeing the country. His journey to the United States began in Ecuador. Ecuador, Panama. From there, Zane made his way to Neocoli, Colombia, where smugglers coordinated his travel on the boats to Panama and passed through the Darien Gap. Zhang was issued a temporary visa in Mexico before finishing his journey over the wall and into the U.S. Why did you decide to come to America? Yearning for American freedom. 
And Nicole, we've been in communication with Zhang. He was actually released last night by Border Patrol officials, and he's actually on a bus on the way to New York with a notice to appear. It's a pretty significant because a lot of these Chinese nationals are actually flying into Ecuador. Ecuador is one of the few countries that doesn't require a travel visa for Chinese nationals. And from there, they'll begin the, the very dangerous and long journey uh, to the U.S. And it's really creating this unique challenge for U.S. Border Patrol with the, with the language barrier. It's, ex it's extending the processing times. But this sector now is leading all border sectors in Chinese national apprehensions. And Border Patrol tells me they expect those numbers to continue to rise. Yeah, a 900% increase. That is extremely significant. Think about that for a second. 900%. Now, he, they said they got the guy. Uh, he said he came here for freedom. Mind you, he's military age. And they processed him, and he's on a bus right now to New York City. I'm sure he's going to meet up with people who have a similar background, his friends who are already there. Uh, uh, mm -hmm. I'm not saying that he necessarily is going to do something wrong, but uh, it just seems kind of strange that all these uh, young Chinese men without families are coming into our country, you know, yeah. uh, and our country. Well, you know, China's this, got a problem. You know, they've, they've got a financial problem. So maybe these people are fleeing because of that. Uh, they're fleeing because of. But did you hear? You know, how, did you hear how much money they're they're paying to to come here? Thirty five thousand dollars each. Well, think about this now. You know, people are not. They're defaulting on their mortgages. There, they've got eight million defaults on their mortgages in China. So, but these guys, if they have thirty five thousand dollars to pay a coyote to get them into the United States they probably could pay a chunk of their mortgage if they stayed in their own country. Either that so, or China is paying for it, Bill. Either that or China is is backing these guys. Thirty-five grand for a guy well, to sneak into our country. Something's not right with the picture, I can tell you that, because if they can pay $35,000 to come across and sneak into the United States and it's coming out of their pocket, but they can't pay their mortgage, somewhere there's a lie in all of this. Yep. Exactly yeah. right. Um, so we are we're shaking our heads, folks. Something's up. You have the the FBI saying the terror threat has never been higher. You have undocumented Chinese military aged men pouring through our border, nine hundred percent increase, and we're supposed to believe that they're just here seeking freedom. But then again, when you look at a group of them. Uh, lining up, uh, 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 waiting to come in, or having just been caught, it looks like a military group. It looks like a, a platoon of, of military-aged uh, men. I mean, they, by the way, they're organized. If you watch pictures of them lining up at the border. Well, yeah, that's the other thing, is that you had Chinese people there training and stuff. Well, you talked about the illegals down in, uh, we're in Nicaragua. That that it, the whole thing bothers me. Just doesn't smell right. And I'm not saying these people, you know, shouldn't you know have the opportunity to get in. But you know, China shouldn't be vetting these people that are coming over because that kind of that smells of a subversive plan. You know, they they they're up to something. Well, we're going to find out very soon, I think, because you don't have a, the bad way. Yeah, I do think you're. That's you can't have. The terror threat being at unprecedented levels. That's a quote from Christopher Ray, and uh, without something happening. And uh, it's like you, we're just waiting to hear the news. Somewhere something is going to happen, 
and then we'll all be shocked and surprised. You'll see Biden, the first thing Biden will do if they use guns is he'll come out and say guns should be, uh, uh, you know, prohibited from being uh, sold in our country. That's the first thing this guy will say. He won't say, uh, oh, boy, I screwed up on the border, didn't I? Uh, yeah. Well, you know, now, see, there could be a play in there, too, because, I mean, Christopher Ray and, and everything, are they just telegraphing us of something to come so that they kind of make it not look like this was a planned thing by them? You talked about guns. Apparently a federal judge uh, shot down a, a Biden attempt to ban uh, uh, 18 to 20-year-olds. From uh, buying handguns. Yeah, you can go to war, mind you, at 18. You can, you can be a soldier. Yeah, but you and, uh, can't yeah. have a handgun yeah. to protect or whatever. No. But the, the judge said, you know, hey, it's part, of our, it's part of our fundamental history. No, they have the right to have it, which you know how Biden's going to handle that. Goes, ah, screw it. Give me a pen. You know? You know, uh, uh, just, what he does. just looking at a poll, I don't know if you saw this, in a national poll from, I guess, the Harris group. Uh it says uh, Trump is at fifty three percent, Biden at forty seven percent. I don't. I believe it's much much higher than that, but they say it's Trump by six. Uh, independents are fifty five percent Trump, forty five percent Biden, up by ten. Uh, the GOP mm-hmm. uh, presidential, uh, you know, the primaries. It has Trump at seventy five percent, DeSantis at twenty five percent, Trump by fifty. <laughs> Think about that, and. Uh, if it's Trump against Haley, it's Trump at 79% and Haley at 21%, Trump by 58%. Uh, I don't know why these guys keep running. If I were them, I'd just say, look, let's let's concede the fact that uh, this is an insurmountable figure and uh, let's applaud our front runner and get behind them. But they're not going to do that. There's something more no. going on, you know. Anyway, well, let me ask you a question, though, uh, about all of that. How do you feel about the uh, the uh, the debates with the Republicans? You know, the list is growing smaller, but I, I, th- I think it's if they really wanted to show their support for the, the Republican Party at this point, I think they would uh, they would do what guys like Tim Scott has done and step back, uh, step back and and. Uh, applaud the front runner, you know? Yeah. See, my point is you take these people off the stage, where would Trump's numbers go? Yeah. There's going to be a few that are never Trumpers that they'll go there, but would he surge up to 80, 90% or higher? Well, there'll always be some that just can't vote for Trump, but you're right. I think that there would be a surge. There would be an increase. Obviously. I think that you take those numbers out, then they got to go somewhere, and I don't think they're going to go to Biden going, oh, oh God. let's go back to Biden, because no. I don't think they were ever there to begin with. No. I mean, you know. I think, I mean, I think, this- I think Biden, uh, they asked Trump uh, at a fundraiser, I guess, uh, yesterday. No, it, I'm sorry. It was, I guess Hannity had him on as a guest. Yeah. And Trump they asked think him. Biden's going to make it. Yeah, he said, I don't think he's going to make it to uh, the election. So, uh, But you heard what Biden said. He said, "I'm he only." Goes, I, he said, "I'm only actually probably running because Trump's running." Yeah, yeah. He goes, "Yeah, because Trump's running, I have to run." Now you could take that two ways. You know, does he really have that much belief in himself, and he doesn't realize that the election was stolen for him, or is it that he's got to run because if Trump gets in, 
he if he he goes to prison during his last final and living years because even the Democrats know now and they're scrambling. This guy goes down, his ship is tethered to a lot of Democrats, and they're gonna go down the abyss with him because of all the illegal doings in China and whatnot. So yeah, he's gotta run. Speaking of Biden, you know, uh they announced uh, they announced this yesterday. Uh, Speaker Johnson announced this. Well, look, the impeachment inquiry is necessary because, um, as you know, our, our committees of jurisdiction, oversight, judiciary, ways and means, Chairman uh, Comer and Jordan and Smith have done an extraordinary job following the facts on this. Remember, remember, it's the, Article One of the Constitution gives the House the impeachment authority, and I've said at this podium before, next to a declaration of war, impeachment, arguably the heaviest power that the, the House has. Why? Because it's so serious. It's so important. In the previous couple of years, uh, the House Democrats cheapened impeachment. They, they used it for partisan political purposes. They went after Donald Trump twice. I served on the impeachment defense team twice. We called those sham impeachments, snap impeachments. They were. What you're seeing right now is exactly the opposite of that. You're seeing a very deliberate investigation following, uncovering and following the facts, following the truth where it leads. That's what the Constitution requires the House to do. And the House Republicans have done that very methodically. So we have come to this sort of inflection point. Because, Chad, right now the White House is, um, is, is, putting, is stonewalling that investigation. They're refusing to turn over key witnesses to allow them to testify as they've been subpoenaed. They're re refusing to turn over thousands of documents for the National Archives. And the House has no choice if it's going to follow its constitutional responsibility to formally adopt an impeachment inquiry on the floor so that when the subpoenas are challenged in court, we'll be at the apex of our constitutional authority. It will be a movement of, of a, a vote of the full House, and that will allow us to continue and, and continue on pace. This vote is not a vote to impeach President Biden. This is a vote to continue the inquiry of impeachment, and that's a necessary constitutional step, and I believe we'll get every vote that we can. I, no, all the moderates in our conference understand this is not a political decision. This is a legal decision. It's a constitutional decision. And whether someone is for or against impeachment is, is of no import right now. We have to continue our legal responsibility, and that is only, solely, what this vote is about. Okay, this, in my opinion, is a hubuki dance. It's not real. It uh, is a lot of nonsense. It's much ado about nothing. Because mm. the the Democrats never did this. The Democrats impeached Trump in two weeks. Slam, bam, thank you, ma'am, you're impeached. The, at least the vote to impeach was in two weeks. He wasn't actually removed from office, but they had the vote to impeach. That's the actual, uh, that is actually impeachment, by the way. It's not removing him from office. It's the process, you know? Right. And so they can say we impeached him. He wasn't removed, but we impeached. We impeached him. Um, I don't know. I think that uh, he's very, you notice how he's very uh, eager to say, well, this is not an impeachment, actually. This is a vote for an impeachment inquiry. Now, yeah, I'm tired of that crap. Let's just do it and get off the pot. But, yeah, but, well, then, but then if we do, let's just say we do impeach him right now. What are we setting up? Because well, let's just well, say that well, we didn't. We're going to have Carmela as president. I'm sorry. It's it's that's what's going to happen if he's removed. You know, I I I looked at a picture, a story today, and they're talking about uh, Carmela hit a vice presidential milestone, the first in 200 years for the most 
uh, deciding votes in the Senate. And there she was like a little lackey shaking Schumer's, yes, Massa, uh, Schumer's hand. And I'm like going, you know, not a good picture, Carmela. Not a good picture. Well, And not a good story because it means that you don't have any free thought of your own. You're I, you know, what- I don't think she is the sharpest tool in the shed. Uh, I think that she's an opportunist. She's not even in the shed. They she's said, you know, the mud, the, mud rusting. Do you know who uh, was like when she was a DA? She used to brag about the fact that she put more criminals behind bars than anybody, but most of them were minorities. Oh yeah, and, well, it was Willie Brown sat there. One of the one of the guys out there sitting in California, and I don't mean to confuse names, but I'm reaching back in my Willie memory, Brown was so the uh, former mayor of San Francisco. Yeah, well, it was one of the ones that she dated. And, that was uh, him. Because yeah. um, I think it was him that said it, you know, uh, or it might have been a reverend. I don't know. But I'm just saying the quote was, yeah, she's, lo- you know, going to lock a brother up, you know, and that resonated. And I think it's resonating now, not just uh, that and her, but I think the black community now has realized that these people on the left have lied to them and have used them as, you know, a political tool and right. shield. They've shielded themselves. Well, we're here to defend our black friends. And they put them out in front of them to protect they, them. They reach out to the minority community every election, you know, uh, whenever there's an election. Oh, we're, we're going to be there for you. And as soon as the election is over and they're in office, they forget about them. You know, and that's what the people in Chicago you probably saw the press conferences on TV. Yes. They they were they were just they've had enough. They've had enough with the Democratic Party. The one lady said, "Hey, Green Party, Republican Party, whatever Independent Party, it, it, this is your opportunity because we're fed up with the Democratic Party." Yeah, I you know, and I would I would urge people, you know, now that your eyes are open, keep your eyes open no matter what party you go to because Pure corruption is pure corruption, and no party is, uh, you know, uh, immune from it. It can happen. They they will go. Well, this party's not working for us anymore. Let's go infiltrate that one. That you know. Well, that's the problem used, with the Republicans right now. I think I, they're being infiltrated. But the Democrat, I'm sorry, but uh, you know, the 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 role of being a, 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 a whatever you want to call it, the Democrats are full of. Uh, of people that aren't uh, aren't true to the core anymore. What Democrats used to be? Well, uh, I I was just seeing where McHenry, who was that temporary Speaker of the House, the guy with the bow tie, uh, the one that for a while people were saying he should be the next Speaker. Uh, the guy is supposed to be uh, uh, a rhino, you know, really a wolf in sheep's clothing. Uh, well, I just saw that suddenly he announced yesterday he's going to retire at the end of his term too. A lot of them are, are bailing out, and you have to wonder, why are they bailing out? Why are these rhinos? I think Ken Buck, who is a dedicated, staunch rhino, he's proud of it. The guy who they said is uh, auditioning for a job at MSNBC, uh, they say he's not going to run again. He's done, too. A lot of them are bailing, and you have to wonder, why. Is it because Trump's going to be in office? Yeah, yeah, you know what? You call an exterminator. The rats and the cockroaches... Uh, they don't run away. They hide. And they that's all they're doing. You know, they're going, 
Got to get out of the got to get out of the limelight otherwise I go down with this ship but you know I can go hide over here and sit back and when the coast is clear they'll come back and eat your lunch. So, you know, when these people get out, let's keep them out. Uh I see where James Comer was on with Maria and Maria asked him is uh, this inquiry vote going to pass? I understand why you have had to take so long to actually get a vote to impeach or get this impeachment inquiry going. Do you feel that you have the votes within the House right now to get a formal impeachment inquiry? I do. And uh, I had a reporter ask, well, what's changed? You know, because the press has been writing, we didn't have the votes forever. And I said, well, I'll tell you one thing that changed. We were in Washington, D.C. for 10 weeks, and there are about 15 or 20 moderates that, that they really worry about what CNN says or what the Washington Post writes. And and they were getting in their head, Maria. But they, a great thing happened during Thanksgiving. The members went home. Many of them for the first time and circulated for the first time in over 10 weeks. And they met people in Walmart and people on Main Street. And they're like, what in the world have the Bidens done to receive millions and millions of dollars from our enemies around the world? And did they not pay taxes on it? So they heard from their constituents. Yes, we want you to move forward. We want to know the truth. And we expect the Bidens to be held accountable for for public corruption. So, you know, but. These same Republicans, you know, these Republicans with such great character, they expelled one quarter of their majority last week by getting rid of George Santos. So now it's a three-vote buffer. If they lose three of their votes, and they're going to lose Ken Buck. Ken Buck is not going to vote for an impeachment because he's a rhino. Uh, This guy McHenry, who's bailing out, maybe he's bailing out because he figures he's not going to vote for an impeachment. So there's two, let's say, that aren't going to vote. Now they got a one-vote majority. Do you think they can they can win with one-vote majority? I don't think so. I, I no. think it's not going to happen. No, it's it's too close. And uh, uh, you know, we still don't know what's going to go on with the Santos seat there either, because they got to plug somebody in. There will be a special election coming up, uh, and it ain't going to go the way we want it to go. You know that. That was the dumbest thing they could have ever done because he would have gone for the uh, the impeachment. But even with four, we still wouldn't have done it because right. we can't do it with any majority. Now, the, the Democrats, you can damn well bet that all of them will. Well, I would say all of them will. If they don't, like on the Santos thing, uh, there was there was a good amount of Democrats that just said, no, I'm not going to vote. Now, then you got to have every Republican say, I'm going to vote when the Democrats say, uh, present. Well, speak, means- speaking of how they vote, they did something yesterday which will give you an idea of where their heads are at in mm-hmm. uh, the House. 105 House Democrats on Tuesday declined to vote for a resolution condemning anti-Semitism, pointing to, pointing to language that equates it with anti-Zionism. The final vote was 311 to 14, with 13 Democrats and one Republican voting against the resolution. Uh, This is a resolution condemning anti-Semitism. With 92 Democrats voting present on the resolution, most of the caucus ultimately did not support it. On Monday, Democratic Representative uh, Jerry Nadler of uh, New York the senior Jewish member of the House spoke forcefully against the resolution in a floor speech. He later urged his colleagues to vote present. 
This is a Jewish member of Congress voting against a resolution condemning anti-Semitism. You know, mm-hmm. uh, and you have, I, I just, I, you have to shake your head. What is, now, this is not just happening, by the way, in Congress. Right. Representative Elise Stefanik uh, was, she was talking with these college presidents, three college presidents, one from, I believe, Harvard, one from MIT, and one from Penn, University of Pennsylvania, three Ivy League colleges. And listen to what she was trying to get them to agree to and listen very carefully to their answers. Dr. Kornbluth, does M- at MIT, does calling for the genocide of Jews violate MIT's code of conduct or rules regarding bullying and harassment, yes or no? If targeted at individuals not making public statements. Yes or no? Calling for the genocide of Jews does have, not constitute bullying and harassment? I have not heard calling for the genocide for Jews on our campus. But you've heard chants for intifada. I've heard chants, which can be anti-Semitic depending on the context, when calling for the elimination of the Jewish people. So those would not be according to the MIT's code of conduct or rules? That would be um, investigated as harassment, if pervasive and severe. Ms. McGill, at Penn, does calling for the genocide of Jews violate Penn's rules or code of conduct? Yes or no? If the speech turns into conduct, it can be harassment, yes. I am asking, specifically calling for the genocide of Jews, does that constitute bullying or harassment? If it is directed and severe or pervasive, it is harassment. So the answer is yes. It is a context-dependent decision, Congresswoman. It's a context-dependent decision. That's your testimony today. Calling for the genocide of Jews is depending upon the context. That is not bullying or harassment. This is the easiest question to answer yes, Ms. McGill. So is your testimony that you will not answer yes? If it... is if the yes speech or becomes, no. If the speech becomes conduct, it can be harassment. Yes. Conduct meaning committing the act of genocide? The speech is not harassment? This is unacceptable, Ms. McGill. I'm going to give you one more opportunity for the world to see your answer. Does calling for the genocide of Jews violate Penn's code of conduct when it comes to bullying and harassment? Yes or no? It can be harassment. The answer is yes. And Dr. Gay, at Harvard, does calling for the genocide of Jews violate Harvard's rules of bullying and harassment, yes or no? It can be, depending on the context. What's the context? Targeted as an individual, targeted at an individual. It's targeted at Jewish students, Jewish individuals. Do you understand your testimony is dehumanizing them? Do you understand that dehumanization is part of anti-Semitism? I will ask you one more time. Does calling for the genocide of Jews violate Harvard's rules of bullying and harassment? Yes or no? Anti-Semitic rhetoric. When it and is it anti-Semitic con- rhetoric? Anti-Semitic rhetoric when it crosses into conduct that amounts to bullying, harassment, intimidation, that is actionable conduct and we do take action. So the answer is yes, 
that calling for the genocide of Jews violates Harvard Code of Conduct, correct? Again, it depends on the context. It does not depend on the context. The answer is yes, and this is why you should resign. These are unacceptable answers across the board. Amazing. Amazing. Now, if you spend mm. one dime sending uh, a child to any of those universities, MIT, Harvard, uh, Pennsylvania, you're, you're actually blowing your dough. Okay, you really are, because that's the kind of morons. Did you hear them? If you think it was bad listening to them dance around that answer, you should have seen their expressions, their facial expressions, the smirks, like they were not going to give you the answer you kind of want. They did it with kind of a grin, like they knew that they were being pushed into a corner, but they weren't going to give you the answer that you wanted. I mean... Look at is anti-Semitism rhetoric wrong? Uh, you know, the, is the call for the annihilation of the Jewish people wrong? Absolutely. I mean, yeah. hello, and, and yet they're they're dancing around. And by the way, it's the same dance that those representatives did yesterday by not voting for that uh, uh, anti-Semitism yeah. resolution. Yeah, they're all they're they're all Fred Astaire uh, dance studio graduates. But you know, one of the things that I see them do. Um, yeah, take the average, there's probably a lot of people that don't know what anti-sentimentism is, and they don't know a lot of these different terms that are thrown out there. You hear it every day in the news, but the average person doesn't know. I mean, the average person doesn't have an even, doesn't even have 600 words in their vocabulary, but the English language is actually one of the most complicated languages out there because we have a, a plethora of words. And you can have one word that means one thing and another word that kind of diffuses that. And I hear these people, these scholars, so to speak, and they sit there and they do a dance, the Habuki dance all the way around the words to change the meaning of something. It's very simple. Is- it's very simple. You can go on Google and, t- and yeah. type in, but, but uh, it's simple. Anti is against. Yeah. Semitism Anti-Semitism, yeah. Anti-Semite. A Semite is a Jew. Anti-Jewism. Okay, if you just take the word Semite out, put the word Jew in, that's but what it is. A lot of people don't know. See, I even mis—I'll mispronounce a lot of words because I sit there and just do. If I don't use it every day, I do that. You know, and and you hear the uh, uh, you hear that all over the place. But a lot of people don't know what a Semite is. You know, they don't well, know because all you, have to, all you have to do, like I said, it's it's right there. You, you have not the, everybody will take the time to Google it. You know, they they trust the news. They trust oh. these scholars. And what what you're what what this points out is you can't trust your teachers. You can't trust the news. You know, if you, you can if only you saw trust these, yourself. If you saw these presidents, you see uh Dignified-looking, scholarly-looking uh, women who uh, obviously, you know, they, I hate to sound like I'm grouping of people, but uh, they weren't all white, by the way. They, they were a mixed race group of the presidents. But they all had a look of liberalism, like we're smarter than you. We know it if you don't, okay? That's the elitism that they had when they were answering the question. Like I said, they did it with a smirk. They weren't going to say yes. 
The obvious answer to anybody with a soul is yes. You know, is it, I mean, if you walked up to me and said, do you believe in the extermination of any race? The extermination of any race, I would say, no, I don't believe in exterminating any race. You know, you don't, you don't exterminate races. That's what Hitler was trying to do. But these mm-hmm. people couldn't answer that. They couldn't, they couldn't, they couldn't give you a straight, honest answer. I don't it's know. almost like there's an agenda out there to, to blur the races or blend the races or weed out the races. And, you know, that crosses into all the walks of our life, whether it be religion to weed it out, whether it be uh, sexual identity to blur the picture and weed it out. And it's, there's something bigger going on than just well, this. But You're right. Uh, what I can't figure out is, is how the how the, the representatives in the House of Representatives couldn't vote for a resolution against anti-Semitism and uh, how these college presidents can't say d- a definitive we're against racism, a, s- a simple yes answer. It's almost like, did they all get a memo? Did they all get the same memo behind the scenes saying, uh, if you're a liberal, you can't be totally against uh uh, this you know resolution or this this belief. Well, you know, actually, I have a theory on that. And that, that theory is very simple. Uh, they've been brainwashed. They have been indoctrinated when they were in school. Just like the person that we just listened to there with doing a little dance and a little smirks on the face and everything. That's what they do, and they they bring these young, uh, you know, moldable minds in. And they convert them. You know what's interesting? I find this amazing, Bill. You heard me say that Jerry Nadler, who is Jewish, mm-hmm. who is Jewish, right? He said, "Vote present. Don't vote against the res- Don't vote for the resolution condemning anti-Semitism." Why? Well, I mean, this goes to. I think it goes to. Let's go to the supporters of uh, Joe Biden, like Steven Spielberg. Okay. Steven Spielberg, uh, a great director. He's Jewish, or at least ethnically he's Jewish. Uh, but I, I think a lot of these people don't really have a faith anymore. Uh, but mm. you would think that guys like Spielberg would be pro-Israel, right? But how can you yeah. support Biden, who uh, you know, who so obviously is trying to limit the success of the Israelis in this conflict? who is not totally into helping the Israelis win this war, who on one hand says, I'm going to take care of our allies, uh, the Israelis, and on the other hand says, but you don't have enough credit to uh, do what you have to do to win the war. Do you know? I mean, Hmm. that says to me that uh, you're really not, you're not really a supporter of the Israelis and not really a supporter of Israel. I don't know how, you know, there's never been a, a more, a greater ally uh, than Donald Trump for Israel. He moved the U.S. embassy to Jerusalem. He has been, uh, you know, he went to the Wailing Wall. He's a close friend of many of the leaders in, in Israel, including the prime minister and the president of Israel. Mm-hmm. And uh, he has shown his support time and time again. Much, much but, closer than uh, than Joe Biden. 
But what I'm seeing is a generational divide. Now, when I was growing up, we got to support Israel. We got to support. It was, it was what we believed by our conscience, our faith, so on and so forth. But today, you talk to uh, anybody 30 and under, you know, why are we supporting the Jews? Well, well they, what's, what's the deal with they don't believe that the Holocaust happened. They don't know anything about the Holocaust. It, it, it didn't happen in their lifetime. It didn't happen when I was alive. But the simple fact is, you know, we damn sure knew about it. We learned about it. We learned of the plight. Uh, plight. We saw the, the movies. We saw the news footage of, you know, the encampments. We saw the burn pits. They, we, they were shown to us. And that's all you had to do is see what they were loading them up on trains, stealing their wealth, and then taking them and experimenting on them or just, you know, it was terrible. Yeah. But I, I don't understand how uh, children can go through grades 1 through 12 and not leave high school with at least a uh, fundamental uh, understanding of what happened in World War II, you yeah. know, in, in places like Bergen-Belsen and, uh, and uh, Auschwitz uh, and other places. I mean, they were factories with their whole sole purpose uh, to, was to destroy the Jewish faith, the Jewish people. Huh. I'll take the words of a liberal group to punctuate the point here. You know, teach your children well. Well, that's, you know, the Crosby, Stills, Nash, and whatever. But either way, teach your children well. We need to educate our children. We used to do that. We don't do that anymore. So we haven't taught them well, but somebody has taught them wrong very well. And they, now... Yeah, they push them through, Bill. They push them through. They push them through school now. They Seriously, like uh, some kids, they, they graduate from high school and they can't read. They sure as heck can't write paragraphs or sentences. And you wonder, how did he get through high school and yet he can't add or subtract or can't? It's because it's like putting him on a conveyor belt. Here, take this, take this. But if you don't happen to, if they don't take it, the conveyor belt keeps moving. They still end up going to the uh, graduation well, at the end. Yeah. And that's a lot it. of teachers. A lot of teachers don't know how to teach, or they don't want to teach certain things because of what they believe or their agendas when they get in. And now we have, you know, the people who come to the United States, they're citizens. They got here properly, but then they're going, "Well, I don't believe in that. that's not my values, so I'm going to change these values as I teach slowly but surely." And it happens all the time. We've got a fundamental problem. You know, here in the United States. Hey, we States. talked about this yesterday. We talked about uh, the terrorists using rape as a weapon uh, during their attack on October 7th. It was it was actually proven. It, I mean, there's videotape, and I won't go into graphic detail, but uh, there's a, a one woman, God bless her, she's being hustled from, uh, she's being taken from one car to another, I believe, and her uh, pants are stained, okay? And it's stained with blood. And you, you know why they're stained. You know why they're, they're, there's blood there. I mean, th there is so much proof that they use this tool, yet so many people are still saying that they're supportive of these, uh, of these Palestinians. They're so, you know, uh, you know they're, so, they're supportive. Uh, they, they are equating what 
happened on October 7th to what the Israelis are doing now in this war. By the way, the Israelis are trying desperately to uh, move the innocents out of the way. They've given them time to relocate from areas where they know that there will be combat. You know, now a lot of them didn't go, God, that's, you know, for whatever reason. I, I did read that a lot of the Hamas terrorists would uh, actually forcibly kept these people uh, on site. They didn't let, allow them to escape, and uh, they're using them as shields. This is uh, the kind of people who are running this country. And again, I told you yesterday, I'm sure you, you, uh, you heard me say yesterday that a lot of the Arab countries are saying to Israel, uh, take out Hamas. Don't, don't stop till you finish the job because they don't want these people infecting their countries. And they're right nearby countries like Jordan and Lebanon. They don't want this to continue. I know this Hezbollah in Lebanon. Uh, that's, that's bad enough, but they don't want Hamas creeping into their country too, because they can infect those countries and those governments. You know, yeah. uh, I mean, you look at Jordan, Jordan has, uh, it's right next door to, uh, to, uh, Gaza and, uh, they don't want to let any of the immigrants into their country. They won't yeah. allow them in. Yeah. Sex is a weapon in war is not a weapon. It's, it's a perversion. And, you know, we're not innocent of it. American soldiers have done it, too. And, um, I mean, I, I could tell a story, but I don't know how to clean it up for a podcast. So I'll tell you, you know, off mic, because there's no way to present uh, what somebody did to counter it in one particular region of the world. Well, I, I know that uh, it is illegal for American soldiers to you to use uh, uh, to do that kind of thing in, in any kind of situation. Uh, they can be court-martialed and jailed, as opposed to, like, for example, the Russians at uh, the end of World War II when they were almost encouraged to go in and do what you want to the uh, the enemy women. You know, these people were abusive and... Uh, I would be the judge and jury right there in the spot, and God could judge me. If I saw somebody doing that to an innocent woman, he would. his trial would be over right away. Well, uh, I'm just saying that's me because you know, you you that you don't do that. No, you don't do that. Yeah, well, uh, you don't do that, but yet, yet they did it, and they did it proudly uh, on October seventh. There's, there's nothing to be proud of. Yeah, but they did yeah. it, Bill. They did it. They, the fact, and and no, what really turns my stomach is that we have people who are parading on our streets in this country calling, uh, essentially calling those people heroes for what they did on October 7th. They're, they're, well, you know, they're, 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 they, it, it, it's obscene. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, if they say their God condones that, then I wouldn't want to go to their God's heaven because obviously it's a different well, one. Well, I, I saw a lady just yesterday on television in one of these countries. Uh, I, I don't know whether she was in Gaza or was in some other neighboring country. But she was saying that uh, the Koran justifies uh, uh, attacking infidels this way. Okay, she was she was condoning so, the act of rape as a tool against the infidels. Okay, what is an infidel? An it's infidel. Fine. An infidel is anybody who is not not uh, uh, a uh, one of them, a Muslim. An infidel yeah. is somebody so it's a outside of their faith. Thing. Outside of their faith. So that could be 
that, that, that well, that's faith-based. Uh, it can be um, your heritage as far as uh, the color well, of your skin-based. I mean, this is crazy. I mean, that's that's just yeah, hate. Well, this is what they're selling. This is what they're teaching their kids. Well, I'm not buying that. Well, you know, they went down. But, you know, the sad, to sender. the sad part about it is, like I said, Bill, you saw it. Uh, uh, in Manhattan, you saw it in uh, Chicago. You saw it last weekend in Philadelphia in front of that Jewish uh, deli when they were mm-hmm. they were trying to uh, raise hell. You know, they're painting graffiti on the front of the guy's delicatessen. What the heck did he do? What other he sells hoagies for a living? You know, he sells grinders, sub sandwiches, whatever you want to call them. He sells them there, and they're they're putting. Uh, graffiti on the front of his building and uh, saying things like Goldie, you can't escape Goldie, you know, uh, uh, uh unbelievable. Um, anyway, uh, we should point out by the way that we're coming to an end of the show. It's uh, been, it's been a, a tough show to do actually, because, uh, it's a tough topic and we are in frustrating times with people like our spineless congressman having the backbone to stand up against these things yeah. uh, and, and having uh, police in our major cities having their hands tied so that they can't protect the citizenry from this kind of uh, uh, protest demonstration that it, it's, it's really sad. We, we, we it used to be cut and dry. We, I think back to when I was a younger man. I mean, if you did the kind of stuff that's being done right now in our cities, the police would be in there with their billy st- billy clubs, um, letting you know that you can't do it. Not anymore. Their hands are tied by the politicians. Don't you love getting up in the morning, checking out the news? Oh, it's tough. Yeah, it really I, is. I made a note this morning. I sat there and said, you know, nothing like uh, morning news to get your heart pumping, your juices flowing, and your oh. blood pressure through the ceiling. Well, I got to tell Which you, by, why the, we do the show. By, by the time the show is over, I feel like I've worked for the day. I, you know, by the time oh, yeah. we finish it, sometimes I feel like uh, phew, it's been a tough day. Uh, by the way, if you want to contact us, our number is 833-538-7868, 833-538-7868. Please tell your friends, share the link to our show. Uh, it is uh, it is a success already, but we can use every new listener that you can help uh, point in our direction, okay? Yeah, share the love. Mail at itsanotherday.com, mail at jimandbill.com, and jimandbill at mail.com. I don't think there's any other way unless you got a carrier pigeon. Your bunker what we do need is something that our listeners wait for sometimes the entire 59 minutes. I know. Hasta la vista, baby! We're out of here! The Voice of Freedom, CRN America. These days, when you want an answer about just about anything, you ask Alexa. You ask her about the weather. You ask her who won your favorite sporting event. You ask her to find a fact that you can't find anywhere. Well, we did that too. We asked her how many people have downloaded itsanotherday.com. And this is what she said. From acceleration.com. It has been downloaded as much as 260,433,467 times. I know. Seems like a lot. Seems like a lot to us, too. But it's Alexa. Thanks for making us a part of your day. And tell your friends about itsanotherday.com. We could use an extra listener. I mean, 
What do you do when you only have $260 million? 